On today's Clinical Excellence Podcast, we have Dr. Weiwei Li talking about physician burnout. The average is around you know, between 45 and 50% when you look God, on average, right? <laughs> One in two are experiencing burnout. We're back with another episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute. During this podcast, we discuss, dissect, and promote clinical excellence. We review research pertinent to clinical excellence. We invite experts to discuss topics that often challenge the physician-patient relationship. And we host conversations with patients and doctors. I'm Adam Sifu, and I'm joined today by Dr. Weiwei Li. Dr. Lee is a general internist and associate professor of medicine. Her academic research focuses on developing innovative patient-centered models of care and improving patient-physician communication. She is the associate dean of students and professional development and director of wellness programs at the Pritzker School of Medicine. She's a senior faculty scholar at the Buxbaum Institute for Clinical Excellence and a fellow of the Academy of Distinguished Medical Educators. Whew. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Lee. Dr. Sifu, it's a pleasure to be with you today. <laughs> it's kind of exhausting going through all that stuff. I'm almost burnt out. <laughs> I think we're talking. <laughs> anyway, so I've asked you here, so I can ask you a couple of questions about physician burnout, which I think you have spent an enormous time not only sort of researching and thinking about, but actually like acting on and trying to figure out ways to, I don't know, make life better for physicians. Um, and I'm kind of a doctor who hates to talk about burnout, so I was really looking forward to talking to you. So can you just start us off with kind of definitions, like what is burnout? How do we define burnout? Yeah, no, that's a um, that's a really good place to start. And I think burnout is certainly um, a condition and uh, something that we've talked about in the medical profession more and more over the past 15 or 20 years. The formal definition is um, typically related to the Maslow burnout inventory. So this is one of the, the key tools that's used to assess burnout, not just in medicine, but across um, many different professions. And um, it has three elements to it. So burnout is typically defined as um, emotional exhaustion. So feeling completely bone exhausting, you know, really, really um, tired emotionally um, from the work that you're doing, you know, in the workplace for us, medicine. Um, But then depersonalization is also a big part of it. And so that is feeling distance from your patients, compassion, fatigue, seeing your patients more as objects than the human beings that they are. And lastly, just a very low sense of personal accomplishment or loss in meaning in the work that you do and feeling that your own personal efficacy is at a, a quite a low place. Um, and importantly, you know, the, um, the idea of burnout is that it's actually a, a workplace-related syndrome. So related to a lot of chronic stress at work yeah. that is not related to personal resilience, you know, an individual's ability to be able to manage um, stress. Because as physicians going through medical school and residency, and, um, you know, for us in in academic medicine, I think all of us have incredibly high levels of resilience. And when you take a look at studies around resilience, physicians often have higher resilience than peers um, in other professions. And even physicians who score the highest in the ratings for resilience experience burnout. So those are kind of the things to think about. So I think maybe as you said that, I had a question and I think maybe you answered it. But my question is like, is some degree of burnout like normal and unavoidable? I sort of think about, I you know came back from vacation a week ago 
And my first afternoon in clinic, I was so struck by like how good I was, you know, I was incredibly relaxed. I really listened to people. Nothing bothered me. And I was like, boy, you know, a week ago, I was not like this, right? And I wouldn't back then have considered myself burnt out, um, especially given the things that you just talked about with kind of depersonalization and all. But I don't know, is it sort of a spectrum of like, boy, there's just regular work fatigue and angst, and then burnout is beyond that? Or how do you think about that? I do think that it is a spectrum. I think that, you know, we're not going to experience our work lives and our lives in preparing to be physicians in medical school and residency without high levels of stress, high periods of really needing to be productive and whatever that means, whether it's research or um, really thinking about, you know, your your standardized exams at that point in your life. Or there are always high periods of stress in your life and career, right? Um, But burnout is beyond that. It's sort of that chronic um, feeling of being completely depleted for very long periods of time. I do think Stress and burnout are part of the lived experience um, for every physician. Um, but I think there are points at which burnout becomes um, you know, impactful on your own quality of life, but also the impact it has on the meaning you're bringing sure. to work and then um, on your patients as well. Sure. So you mentioned, which I loved when you sort of went through your first spiel on this, you know, that it's very much related kind of to the job, right, to the situation. And I feel like there was a time that a lot of the responsibility was put on the physician. Like, it's your fault that you're burned out because we could probably design a job that would burn out anybody, right? But so what I was going to ask is about kind of predictors of burnout. And I'm interested, like, are there predictors based on the job? But are there also predictors based on the people? Like, who's more likely to get burnt out in the same job, Um Absolutely. So those are really great questions. So, you know, I mentioned that, you know, the idea and study of burnout and physician well-being is a fairly new field. I would say the past 20 years or so, we've seen a really large, you know, number of publications around burnout. Um, And so what we do find is that there are some factors that can predict burnout. And some of them are just the specialty you choose, right? So when we look at studies on burnout, the average is around, you know, between 45 and 50% when you look on average, right? One in two (laughs) of our colleagues um, are experiencing burnout, right? But it's also a wide range. It ranges from like 30 to 70%, depending on specialty. And so those in sort of the lower burnout realm, so below the mean, are like pediatric subspecialties. People think about ENT, opto, sort of in that realm. Um, Psychiatry is also lower burnout. The ones that are higher are emergency medicine, OB, um, family medicine, internal medicine, and subspecialties. So there's a a whole wide range of um, burnout within specific fields. And some of that is work related, right? Workplace related. Other things are also um, more obvious, right? Number of work hours that you are putting in, number of nights and weekend calls. Um, Work-life interference, right? So this is an idea that um, Mark Linzer at Hennepin has done a lot of work around, um, who's also a general internist. And so how much work are you bringing home, right? Is it um, the work after, you know, work hours with the EHR, documentation burden, all of that? But then there's also other things related to, you know, EHR, how inefficient it can be, loss of autonomy or control at work. So how much you're able to think about your schedule in a way that really allows you to do the work you need to do, but also manage the the things on the life front that are um, important. And then malpractice, you know, that always has a a role to play in burnout. Like if someone's experiencing a malpractice suit at the time. Correct. Um, 
this is going to be more per- personal experience, not getting personal with you. Um, you know, you spend a lot of time with trainees at every level, medical students, residents, and I imagine do a lot of kind of career counseling as part of that. Do you sort of, you know, as you talk to an individual and you get a sense of them and what they're like, what they're looking forward to their future, do you sort of consider burnout when you make recommendations about the field people go into? Not that they're going to listen to you really, but... um, I do. And I do that because I do think that um, it's really important to acknowledge. And I think that's what's really happened in medical education, you know, in the past um, decade or two. My role is um, an associate dean of students, but part of my role is actually directing the wellness program. And I know when I was in medical school, wellness programs did not exist, yeah. right? Um, and right now, residency programs have, you know, committees, you know, uh, a lot of um, the faculty workforce are thinking about burnout and how to yeah. address it within yeah. the academic and other settings, right? So infrastructure is there. Um, and that sets us up to really talk about burnout um, early on because the studies are there. We know that there needs to be something done in our pipeline to address it because we talk about burnout being a work-related syndrome. And for our students, a lot of that is is medical school, the dealing, managing with the known stressors that we all have to deal with. And so um, what's nice is that now it is literally built into the talk I give at orientation (laughs) around well-being. Like, this is the the data. This is epidemiology. 40% of our workforce experiences burnout. We have have data on, you know, depression and mental health um, prevalence in medical students um, and in, in, you know, in physicians. We want to really draw attention to these concepts of, um, how to recognize when you yourself are unwell so that you can tap into resources, but also to normalize because so much of our culture in medicine is around um, power through, sure. you know, keep sure. keep working hard. That's sure. what we value. Um, patients come first. And so a, a lot of that, I think, is something, you know, that we're thinking about really actively and culture changes hard, you know. And yeah. so when I advise students as a career advisor about their specialty choice, about what do they see in their life beyond just their career and professional? What are the things that are most filling for them? We talk about all that in the context of how, you know, your personal choices and your um, professional choices are intimately going to impact each other. Because, you know, I think having that information and having that, you know, data available is really helpful to them. You know, one of the things that makes me super proud about being a physician and I think it's one of the things that brings us, you know, respect in our society and all the privilege that it takes is that, right, you know, a lot of us see this as vocation. A lot of us see the selflessness that you talked about, about being really core to the mission. And maybe it's just being an old man. You know, sometimes when I hear people talking a lot about, you know, self-care, I worry that, boy, you know, does the pendulum go too far? And obviously, look, if you as a doctor feel terrible and are miserable, you're going to do a terrible job taking care of your patients, like period. We all understand that. But I guess it's just finding that balance of like, when are you caring for yourself enough? And when are you caring for yourself too much and not caring for your patients enough? I love that. I think self-care is a really charged word sometimes. I do think that I love that perspective. I, I mean, 
so many of us went into medicine because um, we do want to do something that is incredibly, um, hopefully helpful for our yeah. patients, helpful yeah. for society. Yeah. You know, there is that part of, you know, working hard. That's part of our work right. ethic, right? right? But at the same time, I think physicians have a hard time drawing boundaries. You yeah. know, there's yeah. a lot of maladaptive perfectionism. Yeah. There's a lot of the sense of like, I need to do it because no one else will. Yeah. And there's a lot of... Um, like lack of self-compassion at times, right? If yeah. you make a mistake, we're in a culture where it's really hard to talk to colleagues yeah. about mistakes. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to feel like um, everyone else around you is in incredibly smart, incredibly productive and successful. And so I think that within that culture, it's really challenging to draw boundaries that are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you even take a look at some of, um, you know, a lot of the data around physician burnout, part of it is, um, you know, even our internal data here at University of Chicago, when we look at burnout amongst our faculty, one of the major things, especially, you know, during the COVID pandemic has been just having a hard time turning it off, yeah. right? Like yeah. going home and not being able to fully engage in those things that right. will help you recharge, right. you know, not being able to turn off the work or those expectations. Yeah. And so I think it is a, a spectrum because that self-care piece, you know, you're not going to yoga your way out of depression <laughs> or like meditate your way out of, you know, massive burnout. We need to right. address those organizational and systemic drivers right. of burnout. And again, I don't think it's a self-care piece. That's where the literature is moving these days, yeah. right? There's yeah. a model that's out of Stanford that yeah. looks at burnout. Yeah. And the major drivers are the culture, you know, of the organization, as well as um, efficiency of practice, how sure. easy it is to practice in your particular setting, to do your research, your administrative work. And the smallest piece of that pie is that personal resilience and self-care yeah. piece. So the self-care piece is not going to get us out of the burnout conundrum. It's really systemic um, interventions to address kind of the workplace conditions. Great. That's, I think, really well said, because for me, it's it's sort of separating, it's making sure the things that I personally see as, I don't want to say magical, but that's a little bit like too strong, you know, about physicians. It's it's about the fact that we are like committed to like beneficence and grace and things that almost sound spiritual and religious. Um, and I don't want it to sound like practicing in that way is it odds to becoming burnt out, right? And you, I think, do a really nice job of articulating why those are totally different things. Why, you know, you can be that physician which you sort of hope to be without killing yourself. Yeah, and I think for so many physicians, um, people do see it as a calling, right? And for many of those wonderful characteristics that you just mentioned um, as far as being why you were drawn to the profession. But yeah. it is that being able to find meaning in your work, being able to, you know, have those connections with your patients, um, with your mentees, with the work that you do making a difference. Like that idea of being able to find that meaning in your work is a large part of uh, protecting against burnout in many ways. And that's what I think some of the other stressors that exist around practicing in medicine from the systems perspective, from the efficiency perspective, sure. that's where it encroaches on. Okay, let me ask you one more question then and maybe to sort of put this to use in a way. Actually, I have two questions. My first question is, so when you yourself are feeling like, oh boy, you know, I am pushing the edge here, you know, and I feel myself, you know, patient sits down and starts telling me their problems and I'm like, God, why does everybody complain to me, you know? Um, what do you do when you start feeling like that? How do you sort of step out and like almost rescue yourself or... 
Yeah, it is so tough. We've all been there. I mean, I've been so burnt out in many points of my yeah. um, career and yeah. life, you know, whether it's life stressors or work stressors. I think the first part is acknowledging it, right? Yeah. If you're noticing that that, that pattern is happening um, as you're stepping into patient rooms, as you're trying to deal with, you know, the, the normal issues and questions that come up in clinical care, yeah. um, I try and pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my husband has an expression uh, that he often uses with me, like if he sees that I'm extremely tired. <laughs> Tired and really burned out. He's like, it's just, it's an eight o'clock night, right? Like you got to go to bed at eight o'clock tonight, and you are just you just need a good night's sleep, I love right? It. I love it. Um, and so listening to those people around you is actually really um, yeah. important as yeah. well. I find when I'm getting short with my son at home, yeah. or I just am, have extremely little patience yeah. um, with the things that I can typically brush off. Um, that's when I will try and and um, slow it down. And so um, and so for me, that really means limiting the the work that's interfering often right, with right, um, right. my life outside. Right. So the things I try and do are um, trying to move any after hour meetings sort of back into the into the day hours, saying no to more things. Sure. Um, and then, you know, trying to find those ways that allow you to um, just feel in more control, you know? So um, for me, a lot of that is kind of taking inventory and just understanding what I need to get done in which period of time and trying to find a light at the end of that tunnel, right? Because your really high, busy, and stressed periods, hopefully, you know, are not are often not more than, you know, a, a few weeks at a time. And so trying to really understand, okay, after this period, I'm going to really focus on that diastole, like yeah. being able to fill your cup yeah. and kind of just um, being able to um, integrate more of that balance. Yeah. And so every day is not a balance, right? right. But over the course of months, um, you really do hope that you can um, create more time for, for that. Yeah, you talk a lot about control, which I think is important. And we know that from, you know, job satisfaction outside medicine, that that's important. And it is true that most of our jobs are a combination of things that we can control and things that we can't control. And probably that those periods that you're you know, feeling on edge are the time to, you know, really take control of the things that you can control, maybe leaving space for the things that you can't. I really like that as a, as a recommendation. Do you, do you think, I'm sure you're going to say yes to this, but I kind of have to ask. I mean, when I like think back on my career and I often tell the residents, like when I'm, you know, telling Days of the Giants story about, you know, <laughs> the absolute low point of my life in September of my internship, and like, as I think back on that, like, there's no question, you know, I had burnout. But at the time, you know, there was no word for it. There was nobody to talk to him. It was like, I think the response was, yeah, internship sucks, you know, and you'll get through it. I assume that with the work you've done and with the effort you've done, that you sort of feel like this attention to it and this acknowledgement actually helps individuals. I really think it does, because we've named it, right? right. <laughs> like we've right. defined what the problem is. Um, I remember, I think the lowest point of my burnout was probably when I was a, a resident as well, my second or third year. Yeah. Um, there was no way to describe it, right? I just yeah. was deeply unhappy. And um, I was probably clinically depressed at the time yeah. as well, right? And just trying to power through and kind of finish. Yeah. Um, and I think that I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel comfortable talking yeah. to my program yeah. director about it. Yeah. I didn't um, really even understand, um, you know, more the, the cycles or just just the experience of sure. it, right? And I think now there is open discussion about burnout. Absolutely. And I actually think that 
you know, it is a spectrum we talked about earlier. There's stress, there's burnout, but then there's also more more concerning mental health um, issues that come up. Right, right. For physicians, I think oftentimes burnout is a safe way to talk about <laughs> mental health, right? That's it's great. a safe way to really just say, listen, I am struggling and I, I just need a little bit of help or I need to take a little distance and be able to um, step back in when I need to. I need to lean out at this point. I, you know, I think it's helping us to create maybe more understanding of, um, you know, the impact that burnout has on our ability to care for patients, to be, you know, productive in our academic lives, um, to do the work that's meaningful for us, for our patients, for our students. Um, And I think having these structures in place, you know, a wellness director at the medical school, um, the DIO who has to think about well-being as part of accreditation, and then, you know, the alphabet of soup, you know, of, you know, (laughs) the AMA, the, you know, and, you know, National Academy of Medicine, like every single organization that pertains to education, they're paying attention and they're making calls. But I do think the problem is we have to find the problem excessively. You know, there's so many studies out there about the prevalence of burnout, the prevalence of, um, you know, depression, mental health, those types of yeah. issues. And um, while there are some early studies that are taking a look at what interventions are effective, that's still really quite young as far as understanding, okay, what are the things that we can do as a profession to really address this workforce issue that we have? Yeah. And so I do think that the next steps in um and being able to really tackle this are really going to be around more studies that are, um, you know, really well done around um, organizational interventions with with the EHR, with, you know, team-based care, with documentation, um, with really thinking about the culture and leadership around medicine. That There's, you know, a push towards having, you know, chief wellness officers. Do, yeah. Does that work, you yeah. know? And that's, <laughs> a, that's a phenomenon. you put that, yourself out of a job. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, you know, that just started in 2015 when T. Yeah. Chanenfeld stepped into his role at um, Stanford. And obviously, in the interim, the pandemic has been happening. Right, 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 right. Um, and so that's challenging. But, you know, does having that high level of um, accountability and someone whose job it is to wake up in the morning and think about um, burnout in the physician and clinical workforce, like what are those things that we can do to really address it um, at that level so we can help the individuals who, cool. who are here? That's great. Thank you very much, Wei This was really a wonderful conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. We're sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute for Clinical Excellence at the University of Chicago. Please feel free to reach out to us with your thoughts and ideas on the Buxbaum Institute Twitter page. The music for the Clinical Excellence podcast is courtesy of Dr. Malin Martinez.